Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. We are talking today about the global crash in oil prices. If you've been following the news even vaguely, you know that this is an issue that's dominated headlines over the past couple of days. Oil oil prices crashed to their lowest since uh, the Gulf War in 1991 and that's because of a price war started by Saudi Arabia that involves Russia and in some senses the United States as well. So I'm very excited to do this episode because you know decoding the politics of oil is very much the kind of episode that this podcast was uh, started for. It kind of goes to the heart of what we try and do. And I'm joined today by uh, two of our foremost experts on these subjects here at The Hindu. Uh, that's International Affairs Editor Stanley Joining and uh, Strategic Affairs Editor Atul Anecha. Welcome both of you. Uh, thanks for joining me on this episode. Thanks for thanks, having thanks. So, um, right. So I think the, the good thing here is that I'm just going to get both of your inputs first because you, you both come at this from different uh, perspectives. So maybe Stanley, you can go first. Um, you know, explaining the, the, the crash in oil prices from, um, explaining the geopolitics of it, let's say. Um, so I, I think I'll just, what I'll do is I'll just get each of your takes on it. So maybe, Stanley, you can go first and then Atul, you can follow. So I think it's basically, you know, uh, the immediate trigger was uh, the collapse of the deal, the OPEC plus deal uh, between the Saudis and the Russians. You see, starting 2016, uh, so there was this agreement between um, OPEC, which is practically Saudi Arabia and Russia. So these two are one of the leading oil producers, right? So this agreement was to keep a check on oil output so that they can keep the prices steady. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, oil prices actually saw a major decline uh, over the last couple of months. So primarily because of there is a slowdown uh, going on. And then also, you know, this was multiplied by the impact of the coronavirus outbreak, especially in China. The Saudis had to cut down their uh, exports last last month, uh, and then uh, the slowdown in China was having an impact on the prices. So what Saudi Arabia actually wanted was, uh, you know, a further cut in the output, and it wanted Russia also to join the cut, which OPEC was anyway planning to do. Uh, but the Russians were not very keen. So the talks between the Saudis and 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 the Russians collapsed in Vienna uh, last week. Uh, and immediately after that, the Russian foreign minister said that, uh, yeah, but the talks failed and then everybody is free to uh, ramp up production, uh, which means he was practically referring to the existing, even the existing output cut agreement between these two, between OPEC and Saudi Arabia would expire. It is supposed to expire later this month. So which means you are free of these uh, constraints, you know. So this had created panic in the market, of course, because... Yeah, once this uh, once this deal is gone, then Saudi Arabia and Russia are free to ramp up production. The Saudi strategy was that immediately uh, what happened, the Saudi energy producer, Aramco, announced that it is going to ramp up production. Uh, so right now, Saudi Arabia's average daily production is some 9.7 million barrels uh, a day. Uh, Saudi Arabia is planning to you know increase it to 10 million barrels. Uh, by the end of this month and it is maximum capacity is 12 million barrels so imagine that in today's economic scenario where you know there is an economic slowdown and the slowdown having an impact on prices at in, in such a time saudi arabia is going to you know increase production so that 
that naturally creates a, a panic in the market you know a panic of glut saudis have done it in 2014 2014 actually so i i think this is the i mean the collapse of the agreement between opec and russia followed by the saudi decision to increase prices not just that the saudi oil minister also announced that aramco uh, would give discounts to the saudi variety of oil saudi variety of crude starting next month so the saudis the, the plan was to ramp up production you know flood market with saudi oil and then targeting and with with uh, uh, discounts and they were also planning to target russia's market share eat into russia's market share especially in 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 uh, in, in east asia in, in the west in europe you know in north america so this is the saudi strategy so and maybe the saudi plan i think could be uh, you know through this shock and awe policy the saudis may want to bring the russians back to the talks uh, so that opec and russia could have uh, you know dialogue and then reach an agreement and immediately reverse the 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 plan to increase production or the discounts or whatever that could be the that could be the strategy but for now um, the saudis have signaled that yeah they are they are ready to take russia on uh, in this price war i think this created a panic in the market and also plunged the prices atul perhaps you want to talk to uh, so uh, yeah. to speak to one aspect of this um you know the the thing is that so the the relationship between uh, saudi arabia and russia uh pretty strong up till this point but um i think as stanley mentioned there's an effort now by the saudis to aggressively take over russian market share in oil yeah. um do you want to just speak to the sort of larger strategic picture here? what's the relationship between yeah. saudi arabia and russia been like yeah 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 sure sure jan uh, i think uh, stanley has touched most of the bases but i just want to broaden the picture a little uh yeah coronavirus as stanley had mentioned was a trigger now coronavirus because of it disrupted the supply chains because it hit china the world's second largest economy and as a result the overall demand for oil had declined so already there was a the imbalance extra supply with coronavirus the demand end goes down and that makes main oil producer quite desperate to find market share now we are talking of three main players one of course saudi arabia uh, the leader of the opec pack and then you have the russians and the third major player is the united states because what had really happened was that while opec plus arrangement which means included that included saudi arabia and russia it excluded the united states so while the opec and russians were maintaining quotas the united states was eating into the market share and that was the problem which was being played out between the united states and russia let me just develop this a little further sure uh the russian us rivalry can be traced to a pipeline called nord stream 2 now this is a russian gas pipeline to germany now it's a undersea pipeline which bypasses a very important player which is ukraine and ukraine is pro us ukraine was losing out because of nord stream 2 both in terms of transit fee and because the pipeline earlier pipelines were passing to ukraine ukraine had a certain leverage political leverage over russia which the united states was encouraging 
So Nord Stream 2 was something which the United States wanted to disrupt, and it did so by placing sanctions on any company which was involved in the construction of Nord Stream 2. There were some Swiss companies involved. They had to immediately stop that process. So the last phase of Nord Stream 2 has been stalled because of U.S. sanctions. This was done through an amendment in the NDAA, the Defense Authorization Act, National Defense Authorization Act of the United States. So this is the backstory of rivalry between the Russians and the, and the Americans. So how do the Russians hit back the Americans? They hit back by hitting the shale oil industry. Now, the U.S. Uh, prominence in the international market, along with Russia, OPEC, and Saudi Arabia, was because of the shale oil revolution. Now, there's a problem with shale oil that it requires a, a, a minimum price of around $50 a barrel for extraction of shale oil to become viable. Anything below that is going to hurt the shale oil producers. Now, what has happened is that if you look at this triangle, US, Russia, and Saudi Arabia, as Stanley had mentioned, the Saudi-Russian arrangement broke up over the weekend. As a result, the price of oil has crashed to $30 or $33, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that's something which has hit the U.S. very badly because that is going to put out a lot of shale oil in industries, uh, shale oil companies out of business because they, it, it is not simply which is something which is affordable. So this is the Russian counter to the Americans, which is linked to the Nord Stream. That's one part of the geopolitics. Then we come to separately of that is the Saudi-Russian equation. It is easiest for Saudi Arabia to extract oil. It costs just about $3 to to take out a barrel. In Russian case, it takes around $7 to take out a barrel. But the, the Saudis have taken massive amount of loans. They are heavily leveraged and they have to pay back that loans at some time. So a drop in prices to this lower level is not suiting the Saudis as well. Then the ruler of Saudi Arabia, the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, has this something called Vision 2030 which is essentially a transitioning Saudi economy from an essentially oil-based economy to a more diverse and a balanced economy, setting up industry. It has to create about 6 million jobs as well. But to fund the Vision 2030, you need trillions of dollars of investment. With the price coming down to $30 a barrel, it is simply not viable. What the Saudis were expecting for it to be viable is around $84 a barrel. So therefore... I mean, in terms of the play between the Russians and the Saudis, I'm not sure that the Saudis have a stronger hand than the Russians and Russians will come on board. In fact, the Russians are the least leveraged. They have no external debt. The Russians have been accumulating gold uh, for a very long time. So they have substantial gold reserves and therefore are ready for playing a long game. So I'm not certain whether this is brinkmanship between Saudi and, uh, and the Russians that the Russians are going to blink first, but we'll have to wait and see. So the interesting aspect of this is that we, we seem to establish that the uh, initial spark of this oil crash might have been um, the coronavirus fears, but uh, it has provided an opportunity for some rather deeper actions, a kind of deeper realignment of um, the, the oil politics, if you like. Um, so, Stanley, I just want to uh, come back to you again. Uh, in the sense... Um, you know, a lot of international press have also been writing about this as 
um saudi the, the saudi prince uh, mohammed bin salman's kind of power play now um yeah. against both uh, uh, russia and the united states uh, yeah. do you want to talk to this more from the perspective of um, you know his his role in all of this yeah it's it's interesting actually you know as uh, you know atul pointed out it's pretty much audacious that for uh, for mohammed bin salman to take on both the russians and and the americans uh, with one move you know uh but it is to be seen uh, whether uh, you know whether the saudis would be able to uh, yeah. play this for a longer time sure. but for now uh, actually he is targeting both uh, the russians and the us shale producers because the us us shale producers are eating into the market share they are also putting pressure on the prices and on the other side the russians are not ready for further output cut because the russians think even the existing output constraints are uh, hurting the russian companies especially rosneft badly so they want to be free of these uh, constraints so that is one thing but it's true that on the other side if you look at from a saudi point of view uh, mohammed bin salman was you know keeping a low profile for some time for a couple of years especially after the killing of uh, jamal khashoggi the journalist in the uh, saudi arabian consulate and in 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 istanbul in, in turkey uh, but uh, two incidents actually uh, over the past week one is uh, the oil glut shock policy uh, so to call of the saudi government and the other is the the saudi government had also detained some of the senior princes uh, in the royal family last week uh so uh, this yeah. includes this includes the former crown prince a very powerful uh prince uh and one of the brothers of the king uh king salman so uh they were detained last week and they were also accused of plotting a coup against the monarch which is a very serious offense uh plus uh, the decision to uh, uh, interfere in the oil prices so these two according to many analysts suggest that the power play which you know mohammed bin salman is known for his reckless uh, you know audacious power play both in domestic policies as well as foreign policies so that mohammed bin salman is back so that is that is one way of looking at it and also uh, you know uh, uh, the, the 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 point is that uh, apparently mohammed bin salman Uh, got his father uh, king salman to talk to putin about it before they started the negotiations uh, so some reports say putin didn't even answer the call so finally he came around he had a talk with the king but then the russians immediately said russian president immediately said he is not ready for further cut because he is not ready he he putin is not very much concerned about the short term impact of mm-hmm. the coronavirus on the oil prices rather than he is in yeah as atul mentioned he is in for a longer game uh and the saudis were visibly upset with uh, this reaction and the next phase was the vienna talks between the saudi oil minister and uh, the russian oil minister which collapsed so after the talks collapsed then so then what is next the russians were not ready for further cut so the saudis in retaliation the saudis were deciding to ramp up production and announce discounts etc etc it's it's a shock and off policy uh so uh, yeah mohammed bin salman is clearly sending out a signal that he is back in action so these are his decisions this could be unrelated the detention of the princess as well as the intervention in the oil market but the point is that uh, i mean 
given the way he operates his uh, in in his domestic politics as well as foreign policy so that uh, aggressive uh, reckless prince is back but the but, but the point is exactly the, the the critical question is whether saudi arabia would be able to retain this policy for a longer time for example if suppose that this this the aim of this policy the main goal of this policy is to bring back the russians to make them blink first right so if the russians didn't do it what saudi arabia is going to do because uh, the the fall of the oil prices starting 2014 has already impacted saudi arabia's budget there is a hole in saudi arabia's budget because saudi arabia is heavily dependent on uh, its oil exports uh, so uh, uh, so price if i mean and saudis want the price to be around uh, $80 uh, for, to retain you know uh, you know according to according to their budget estimate and now the prices are has come the prices have come down to a little more than $30 which means there is going to be a big shock on the saudi economy okay for now one could argue that saudi arabia has some 500 billion dollars uh, in reserves so they could use those reserves uh, to plug the holes and then uh, kind of uh, you know use their leverage oil leverage for geopolitical benefits for a long time but for how long so that's the question how long in a market in a in a in a in a volatile market which is already impacted by slowdown and uh, slowing demand and uh, and uh, and with more players like the us shale producers and russia and more players coming in so the question is whether saudi arabia could retain this and at what cost so uh, these are the fundamental problems i think the saudis are going to face going forward um and atul um uh, do, you, do you maybe want to uh, add to that or uh, should i yeah i, I just want to mention you just uh, the saudis are playing a weak hand and right stanley has already listed the reasons why they are playing a weak hand i was also wondering in the russia saudi arabia game uh, will it remain only to a price war or will it go beyond that now what is the leverage which the russians have i think one major leverage which the russians have is that they have a great relationship with iran which is saudi's arch foe and also a possible rival in terms of just sheer volume of of reserves and uh, will the russians in order to get even with the saudis go beyond the economic domain and egg on the encourage the iranians to support the houthi rebels which are in yemen which is supported by iran and hezbollah and the what is called the shia crescent and they are on on saudi arabia's doorstep that's one leverage which the russians because of their close relationship with the iranians and syrians and with hezbollah they have vis-a-vis saudi arabia and and the saudis i'm sure are mindful of this so that's another another card which is there there with the russians if if things go absolutely out of control Uh, so will that happen is an interesting kind of question i don't think the russians will immediately go out and use that card but if the tensions with saudi arabia has increased so much or because of certain domestic reasons now, now now stanley mentioned the internal power struggle which is going on you know both these countries the iranians and the russians are going to be watching very closely as would be the americans of course and the israelis so what happens internally also is likely to feed into the kind of responses beyond the price and beyond the economic which are going to be factored in by the russians and the iranians i thought i'll just add that 
bigger dimension, uh, political dimension to this unfolding scenario. We, we can, uh, Jayant, we can see that it's a, a completely dynamic and a fluid situation right now, both because of internal reasons in Saudi Arabia, because of the external factors which are coming in, and we also have the Americans putting in more, more weaponry into the neighborhood which is in Iraq now. So, because a lot of Iranian oil is going through Iraq and branded as Iraqi oil. So that game to break the sanctions. So that's another thing which is going on on the side. So it's a completely dynamic and a fluid situation. Many external players. And it's it's playing out as we speak with very unpredictable results. Right. Um, so thank you, Atul, because I wanted to bring up uh, Iran in some way and I wasn't uh, kind of figuring out the framework with which to do that. <laughs> but yes, I did, I did want to allude to the fact that Yes, that that entire that entire region, the Middle East, is now uh, extremely fluid. Uh, there's, I think, also aided by the fact that the U.S. is uh, pulling out and uh, pulling out its troops from Afghanistan. Um, don't, I'm not sure that factors right. into it, but it does. It does um, just you know add to the fact that th- there might be opportunity in this region. And I wanted to get your take on whether uh, that is somehow playing out now in in the guise of this or uh, this oil war. Does uh, kind of what I wanted to ask was, what's the equation been between Russia and Saudi Arabia in this region? And does Russia see any larger opportunity here? Well, look, uh, if, you, if you look at the diplomacy followed by Vladimir Putin, uh, he has a negotiating track with all the countries. You know, if it's Israel, the Russians have a track with Netanyahu. With the Saudis, they have a track with Mohammed bin Salman, especially the Putin-Mohammed bin Salman track works in G20, etc. We have seen it when Khashoggi's murder took place. The Russians and Mohammed bin Salman, I mean, Putin and Mohammed bin Salman were visibly bonding at a G20 summit. So the Russians are there and Russian-Iran equation is a great equation because of the Syrian question and independently because of that, because Iran is a very pivotal state in the region. With, with Turkey, the Russians have a good equation with Erdogan, though they have a massive problem with each other when it comes to the Syrian question. So the Russians are, you know, they do not follow a zero-sum approach. They have lines of alignment with each of these countries, and that includes the Russian and Saudi Arabia. So my hunch is that the Russian-Saudi Arabian track will continue uh, in its in its uh, interaction, in its dialogue process, while. Russia prepares his plan B, which is bonding further with, with, with Iran. And I think what's going to happen now is that the Iranians are going to watch, do already under sanctions, but they're going to wait and watch to see what happens to Saudi Arabia. Because if the Saudis can't handle this for a long time, uh, then you can see uh, the Iranians playing a more important role, not only on the political plane, but also in the oil game and trying to see a greater market access for Iranian oil because Iranian oil is a much lighter oil than what the Saudis produce. And it's it's many countries in the world, their refineries are geared to that kind of sweet crude which, which the Iranians produce. So I think the Iranians are going to watch this very, very carefully. And they have leverages. I mean, they, they also have the, you know, their, their influence in the Shia world, especially with the Houthis in Yemen, which is a pressure point on the Saudis. So I think the Saudi-Iran game is also going to be impacted by by this declining oil prices and the highly fluid situation, which one doesn't know politically where the Iranian arch arrival, which is Saudi Arabia goes. 
and so we will we, we will see this dynamic also uh, being played out that is the iran saudi dynamic uh, and uh, whether the iranians can get uh, uh, on the high ground there as well further high ground through the houthi rebels despite the sanctions being imposed upon them by the united states okay and stanley uh, i let you have a last word perhaps on uh, how you see this playing out in the next uh, say coming weeks um just on the just from a geopolitical perspective yeah um yeah i think i i completely agree with atul's point that saudi arabia is playing a weaker hand but how long saudi arabia will continue to play a weaker hand is what we have to see so the point is that saudi arabia has this internal uh, inherent problems one is of course its economy is heavily dependent on oil secondly the detentions not just this one even the detentions a few years ago suggest that you know um, the prince wants to consolidate more power the crown prince wants to consolidate more power the king is ailing he is 85 plus he according to uh, western reports he has memory problems etc etc so um, and uh, mohammed bin salman wants to take over he wants to become the king Uh, so one theory is that this the, the detentions that's happening now is actually uh, his uh, way of neutralizing possible challenges to his eventual uh, taking over which could happen anytime soon uh, so the problem is he yeah he came up with a plan to diversify the economy which is not as happening which is not happening and uh, his uh, uh, the, the assassination of uh, jamal khashoggi was a public relations disaster for the kingdom Uh, and uh, uh, in he went to yemen uh, he wanted to you know uh, oust the houthis and neutralize iranian interests in yemen he went to yemen 5 years ago and after 5 years of bombing one of the most impoverished countries in the arab world he is still not winning the war he is stuck in yemen he doesn't know how to get out of yemen so they betted on syria the plan was to get the syrian president out of the out of syria and get their uh, you know uh, rebels their cronies in power and the plan backfired the russians were in syria the iranians were in syria they salvaged the syrian regime and the government is now winning the civil war so the the point is that the the saudi regime is internally weaker now economically weaker and its foreign policy bets were backfiring so it is in this context that you know saudi arabia is playing one more card which is the oil card uh with with its this glut and shock policy uh so the question the fundamental question is how long saudi arabia is ready to play this game and if it is playing it for a longer time it will backfire for sure yeah because its economy is already in in peril so this is what we have to wait and see okay um atul anything to add or should we uh, wrap it up yeah just last point just the 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 uh, internal kind of a decay one can say which is happening uh, like a perfect storm is coming on on saudi arabia at this time and i don't see a vision for from their side to get out of this almost uh, hopeless situation so and, and 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 that is going to be crucial because of saudi arabia's role you know it's not just energy being its role in the muslim world itself being the custodian of the two holy shrines so uh, you know it has whatever happens in saudi arabia is not is going to have a very deep impact so i think there're going to be many podcasts between us because things are going to not going to remain as they are right now and we should be watching for extreme fluidity especially in the heart of the middle east in the gulf which is in saudi arabia 
Okay, um, I'd like to thank you both for uh, joining me. Uh, this was a new format that we're trying, and thank you uh, both for participating. Thank you both for your time. Thank you.